and welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Fairhaven Health. Fairhaven Health is coming out with a new product. Ooh. The Sage Personal Moisturizer and Lubricant. And we'll hear more about that later. And it's also brought to you by Eczema Honey Co. Eczema Honey Co. puts emphasis on high quality and food grade ingredients known for their revitalizing and skin loving properties. And I know you're all going to want to hear more about those later. Um, but right now, Diane has our review of the week. I do have our review of the week. And um, because it's every day is my first day with this computer, I <laughs> close it out by mistake. So now I'm bringing it up again. You know, we like to joke that Abby and I have no idea what we're doing. No, it's the first day at the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. It's our very first episode. <laughs> Bear with us while we uh, iron out some of these kinks. Oh, my gosh. I swear to God. I didn't even have my microphone in front of me today. Um, okay, this one, and I did. I picked this out earlier. It's a little bit longer, but I love it. It's from Nanika007, and she says, she, I would have given up a long time ago. My baby and I had a rocky start. I had a low supply and worked hard to bring it up. Had to supplement with formula a bit in the beginning. I found your podcast when my son was three months old and refused to nurse. People around me kept telling me he might be done as things don't go easy for us. I found your episode on nursing strikes and was so relieved. I kept going. I started listening to more episodes and you mentioned that we should relax and trust our bodies. That was a game changer for me. I let my baby nurse when and how much he needed. I stopped using formula. When he was seven months old, he started biting. My friend told me her pediatrician told her to stop breastfeeding when her daughter bit her at nine months old. I found an episode on biting and kept going. My friend's babies were sleep trained and slept through the night at four months old. My baby kept waking up to nurse. I thought something was wrong. I even enrolled in a program to become a sleep consultant and teach my baby to sleep and break the bad habit of nursing to sleep as that seemed to be the problem. I found your episode on night nursing and now we co-sleep. He is an exclusively breastfed 10-month-old and the happiest baby thanks to you. Your podcast gave me the knowledge, strength, and courage to do what feels right and what nature intended us to do. Thank you, Nina. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, an episode for every step of the every step of the way. Yeah, and I love that she was just like, you know, the outside influences, which we've been talking about a lot the last yeah. few weeks, the outside influences, and she was like, screw that. I'm going to find my own my own village. And she did it. So thank you. And congratulations, because that's a really hard thing to do. First time mom, and you're like lost, and you feel like you don't know what you're doing. Of course, you listen to those outside influences, right? Like, that's what people do. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what we as a society have always done. We're social creatures. We listen to other people, except all the other people these days have it wrong. Right. And we're not just and saying that because like, we're like the best people and you should always listen to us. Like, it's well, just, yeah, that's how it is. We are. Yes, we are. We have but the right information. Right. I mean, you're going to hear from your doctors and from society and from movies and from your family the wrong information. I mean, okay, sometimes they have the right information. But by and large, this society has it wrong. Exactly. I found this thing the other day. Um, I follow this. Uh, I think you turned me on to it, actually. Um, Fuck it diet culture yeah. on Instagram. And it said something about like, don't get nutrition information from somebody who's not a dietitian. And I sent that to my dietitian friend, right? And it's like, it just reminded me of how many times people get lactation information from people who are not breastfeeders, right? How often does that happen? Like daily, 
daily that happens where people get breastfeeding information and breastfeeding guidance from people who never breastfed in their lives or who have zero education in it. And we listen to them. Like, why? I don't know. There's nobody else. Oh, my God. It's so frustrating. And they're usually people that we think are an authority and that we should be listening to. And it's okay to not listen to them. Yeah. (laughs) Please don't listen to them. We give you permission. But thank you so much, Janine. We love hearing your your path of how you um how you came down the line there. So congratulations and send us your reviews. We love them. Um, we got a couple of really great ones this week and some really great ones that were um gave us suggestions on topics for stuff. So we love to hear that too. So put it on iTunes if you can. If you can't, you can send us emails at badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail dot com, and we'd love to hear from you because we love it. We love hearing from you. And that's it for today. Well, not the totally. episode's over. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> no. So let's talk about. So now we, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Aye. We're we're winning. We're leading. You know, go America. We're we're leading the we're leading the world of the pandemic. Might not we like to we do are, it big. But... We like to we like to win. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're doing it right. Winning's important. Um, yeah. So um, what we're seeing is a lack you know even less breastfeeding support which there wasn't much to begin with now we're see- seeing it even less yeah and what's the you know now we're gonna see we're probably gonna see a big fallout from this right oh my god so i messaged abby a couple times recently i was just like i like i'm having trauma over the the, the people that i'm seeing like or the people that are reaching out to me because they are giving so they're getting so much just really, really, really bad guidance. They're not being seen at the hospital. If they are, it's very, very quickly. Nobody wants to stay at the hospital because they're too afraid, which I don't blame you, but still like to be discharged 24 hours after major abdominal surgery, I think it's just dangerous, honestly, but that's happening. And nobody's getting the help that they need. And then they're going to the pediatrician where they're not getting the help that they need. And none of these babies are feeding well. And mamas can't be seen. It is really, it's a mess. It is a mess. And I don't know how to fix it. Like, this is crazy. No, it's a huge mess right now. Um, Yeah, people don't want, people don't want to be at the hospitals. And people don't, people are getting discharged really quickly without seeing a lactation consultant or seeing people that they normally would see. And even like, well, I think now doulas are allowed back in, right? I think in some um, places, but not everywhere. But not everywhere. And so, yeah, some of your support people who would have been there aren't there. And the, you know, obviously a lot of offices are closed or very limited. And even like your office has cut the visits down really low, right? So you don't even have right. enough time Right. Yeah. So my, in my office that I was working, that I work in, um, a pediatrician's office that I work in, and I was part-time, very part-time anyway, but still got to see every baby. And then now from like March to July, didn't see anybody. It was just phone calls and then started going in to only see people who wanted to be seen. So they would ask, like, if there was a new baby, the, the secretaries making their appointment would ask them, like, do you want to see Diane? And if they did, then they'll call me and I'll go in and see them. But I used to have an hour to see the patients 
and feed the moms and watch a feed. And now they have it cut down to like 15 minutes because they need to whip people out of there because our protocol that was put out by our state was that there has to be a certain amount of time in between patients. There has to be a certain amount, you know, people can only be there at certain times. You can't have, you know, certain um, physicals in with new patients. Like just it's there. The regulations are crazy and really difficult and changing all the time. So now I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this family for in 15 minutes? And I end up like seeing them longer for that because I can't rush them. You know, that's ridiculous. But there's a lot of families that I was not able to see that aren't doing well or there aren't or they didn't make it. You know, they, they just they stopped breastfeeding because it was just too much, too difficult, too much stuff happening. And, you know, it's just crazy. I've had several patients that ended up being readmitted for blood pressure issues. And it's like, you got to wonder, is that because they were just pushed out so quickly that they weren't monitored for very long? And then they get readmitted for problems and then the breastfeeding goes away. Like, there's just so much stuff happening right now. It's just, it's a mess. And then so many people reach out to me, like, from the podcast and stuff saying, like, there's no, I, I can't get help from anybody right now like nobody's seeing anybody nobody's talking to anybody nobody's you know you've got we had a uh one of our hospitals here furloughed their lactation consultants for a while so there wasn't even any you know there was only like one lactation consultant that was even working Mm -hmm. so i don't you know that stuff has been going on too or if you just you know people are cut down and they're nurses they could be just being placed in other places for help yeah, and then so people are getting information then from the doctor that they're seeing for a few minutes or from whoever and that they're posing questions to and they're getting answers like, I, pu- I pulled up all your messages. Oh, my God. <laughs> Somebody said to someone told a mom that in order to avoid engorgement, she should wear a really tight bra. It's really dangerous information. It's super, super dangerous. Which mm-hmm. that's just can cause obviously clogged ducts and mastitis and infections that can be really serious. And how uncomfortable is that? I mean, yeah. And that's just, I mean, what? I know. And she was like, she only told me that because she was like, I'm not doing that. Is that okay? And I'm like, yes, that's crazy. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, like, don't even do that. It's crazy information. Well, thank God she had somebody to ask. Right. Right. And then and then people are I mean, there are obviously online consultations, which you're doing, mm-hmm. um, but not everybody's. You know, not everybody is going to that's not in everybody's routine. Everybody's qu- sort of. The normal the norm, what's within our you know norm in our society is that you go to your checkups, you know, you go to the doctor's office, you have an appointment. So you go, you're kind of like forced to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not forced to go, but you you have that appointment so you go you know it's it's not within it's not like a natural reaction to be like oh let me sign up for this online consultation with this because i i was even thinking like during the pandemic i was because i have like bad ears and i was like what if i get an ear infection and they need like a refill on this and then i was looking and i was like oh you can sign up for an online consultation and i was like well i've never done that before well i guess i'll have to figure that out Mm -hmm. and then you're holding a newborn and i can imagine you just be like oh my god forget it it's just too much. You know, yeah, it's too much. It's too different. It's just, it's, it's everything is, you know, a crisis. And um, yeah, so people are not, I mean, people are not necessarily going to do the online consultations, which I wish they, I wish they would, but 
there's just going to be less of that. So there's going to be less support. There's going to be less reliable information out there for breastfeeders. And then you've also got the whole piece of you don't have the support you need at home either. You know, so you used to be, you had a baby. I remember when I had my twins and, you know, my sisters came over every day, even if it was just to like drink a cup of coffee and hold a baby and talk with me, you know what I mean? Like my sister would come and take my two-year-old, my mom would come and help clean while I took a nap, you know, like you can't even do that stuff now. At least you're not supposed to. And a lot of moms, honestly, like don't want people in their home with a newborn just coming home. And it's just like you don't have that that help that you used to have that you could count on before. Right. And then we have leading organizations, the main leading organization in this country, the CDC, saying things like you need to keep a six foot distance from your baby, social distance from your newborn. Yeah. So I uh, was um, reading... Uh, the other day, I was at my office, my at, the, at work, and reading some discharge paperwork on a new baby I was getting ready to see, and it had all this, like, part of the discharge paperwork was things that you should do to keep you and your baby safe and healthy, and I, like, took a snapshot of it and sent it to Abby, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is, and it was, like, stay six feet apart from your baby if you have, you know, I don't even remember what they, if they were. See, symptoms, I got it right here. You want oh me to read my it? God, I, I was right here. ridiculous. And it um, came from the CDC. It, so if you may, if you have or may have COVID-19, the current CDC recommendation is that you stay in a separate room from your newborn until the risk of spreading the infection is over. Which is if what, you, two weeks? Is that what it is? Is that yeah. what they're saying? Two weeks? So don't touch yeah. your newborn for two weeks. That's Okay. <laughs> If you and your baby are not separated, you can reduce the chance of your baby being infected by washing your hands thoroughly and wearing a face mask during each feed. Okay, we've heard that. That's fine. Uh, newborns should be kept a minimum of six feet away from the infected caregiver at all times. At all times. Remember, less time and more distance are the best ways to protect your new baby. Okay, let me repeat that and <laughs> let's sit with that. Let's sit with that for a second, Okay. Remember, less time and more distance are the best ways to protect your new baby. And to make them a sociopath. This <laughs> That's what should be added this on there. This is what the Center for Disease Control is telling us to do with our new people. You know, I am kind of, we're like... This really started, like you know, in March. It really hit our country a lot, like, back in March. And there was a huge ordeal back in March about, like, should moms and babies be separated and blah, blah, blah. And there was a lot being said back then. I haven't heard anything in a long time. And I thought we were past it. And when I read this the other day, I was like, are you kidding me? Did they just slip this in and nobody's paying attention? Because I thought, I seriously thought we were past this. I thought they, it, it was over, that they're saying you don't have to separate mothers and babies. I thought we were over this. I, I don't yeah, I, like I was blown away when I saw this in the paperwork. I'm like, how can anybody even think this is OK? Yeah, I know. It goes on to say, um, what if your baby has tested positive for COVID-19 or the results are pending? The infant should be isolated at home for 14 days, even if the testing is negative. 
I don't even really understand what that means. Right. Does that mean nobody but, comes over? Does that mean everybody, it, you just put the baby in some kind of incubator in your basement and then just walk away for two weeks? Maybe have an automatic feeder like you do for a hamster? I don't know. Like, what happens? I don't know. But this is not what other leading health organizations around the world are saying. The CDC is the only one that is saying, like, stay away from your newborn. <laughs> it's this ridiculous (laughs) it's ridiculous and it's unsafe and it's dangerous and it's the opposite of it's the complete opposite from what the who says exactly complete opposite what the world health organization is saying is totally different keep breastfeeding keep your baby close do skin to skin do all the things give your baby as much breast milk as possible this is what we know these are the facts that we have right now. This is what we know to be protective of newborns. And just think of the maternal baby child infant attachment process. It is not healthy mentally, psychologically for mothers or babies to be separated like that. It's no. not. It is not healthy. And by the way, how biased are these things? I mean, like, Okay, you know, it, it, this is what I beca- I keep thinking about this like after the fact. Like we did this whole episode on like bed share, you know, bed sharing versus like you know, whatever sleeping in a separate room, or and these this this all the the, the CDC's advice to like sleep, you know, mm-hmm. don't have your baby in your bed, whatever. The, all this advice is totally geared towards like middle class white people that have these big ass houses in the suburbs where, you know, everybody's got their own room. Even the newborn has their own room. Right. Like, this is not how the majority of people live. You know, this is Plus, not, people do not have 85 rooms for all the people to have their own wing of the house. What about single mothers? And single parents. Yeah. You know, single parents. What about single parents who are having babies on their own? And go home, and what? who's supposed to, if they have to quarantine from their baby for two weeks, who's there to help them? Yeah. There's no partner there. You know how many families I've had that have been single parents? And they don't, you know, they, they're doing everything. You can't quarantine them. Keep your baby I mean, in a separate room for two weeks. Who's going to do that? Who can do, who's helping them? Yeah, and quarantine period means that you have room to separate somebody. Not every house has that. Not everyone has this separate wing, you know, stay in the master room with the <laughs> ensuite bathroom. Like, you know, give me a break. How do who lives like that? I mean, I know a lot of people do, but a lot of, a lot people, of people don't. don't. Yeah, a lot of people don't. And it's just like it's the same thing all the time. This advice, all of it is just so centered on like middle class white America. Well, that's the CDC. It is. But the who looks at the world. Right. So it's very, very different. And after we hear from our sponsors, I'm going to say what the oh my God, it's what who right. says. And then I'm yes. going to we'll talk about the difference between who and CDC so people understand the difference. Cool. Ah, exciting. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Fairhaven Health. Fairhaven Health is excited to introduce... Sage Personal Moisturizer and Lubricant, the newest product in their vaginal care and comfort collection. Products designed to support vaginal health through every stage of life. Sage is designed to replenish your natural lubrication and provide temporary relief from vaginal dryness. 
While vaginal dryness is most common in older women, there are a handful of other factors that lead to vaginal dryness. Breastfeeding, antidepressants, some fertility and cancer medications, stress, and even exercise. As we... As with all their vaginal care products, Sage is made without estrogen, parabens, glycerol, or coating oils. Check out Sage and all the other vaginal care products at fairhavenhealth.com. That's F-A-I-R-H-A-V-E-N health.com. And use promo code BADASS for 15% off of your purchase over there at Fairhaven Health. So, today's episode is also brought to you by Eczema Honey Co., Eczema Honey Co. puts emphasis on high-quality and food-grade ingredients known for their revitalizing and skin-loving properties. Every ingredient has been selected because of the high quality, and each ingredient serves a specific therapeutic process. Purpose, not process, therapeutic purpose. Eczema Honey Co. does not use fillers of any kind. They develop their products for themselves and for their children. Now they're proud to be able to share these products with the eczema community. They have helped thousands of people clear their eczema with their clean, soothing, and non-toxic lifestyle products. To learn more, visit eczemahoneyco.com, and you can find their products in any CVS store near you. And all of these uh, sponsors and their promo codes can be found at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, along with all of our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes, and you'll find show notes under each episode with, um, again, more of the sponsor information and links to further um, information that we shared in the episode. Everything that Diane and I are talking about today will be in the show notes. And you can also find at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com information about scheduling your online consultation with Diane, since we know you can't get in with your regular lactation consultant right now anyway. And our shout-out of the week. Our shout-out of the week goes to The Black Course. The Black Course is uh, a full-scope lactation and breastfeeding education course made by and for black people and folks supporting black breastfeeding. This course is designed to be a prep course for aspiring IBCLCs and breastfeeding counselors. This is the course you've never had but always wanted. This is what they say on theblackcourse.com. Um, from East Coast to West Coast, North to South, hashtag the revolution will be latched and hashtag blacktation. So blacktation, I mean, I'm sorry. The Black Course can be found on Instagram at The Black Course, um, Facebook, The Black Course, and blackcourse.com. Sounds super awesome if you want breastfeeding information that's more focused on the black breastfeeding experience, whether you're going to be, I mean, everybody should take this. Everybody who Sounds is especially, amazing. Yeah, yeah, aspiring to be any kind of breastfeeding support person should take this and just check them out because that's what we're lacking is information and support for the black community. And um, as we've seen throughout history, they're... Um, taking matters into their own hands and offering that. So check them out. Awesome. And yeah. So um, what about the who? So, yeah. So the who, and this goes back to, you know, the end of May that this came out from the who, and I'm sure that there's something since then, but I found this one and I really liked it. Um, who and UNICEF are encouraging women to breastfeed during the pandemic, even if they have confirmed or suspected COVID, while researchers continue to test breast milk from mothers with confirmed or suspected COVID-19, current evidence indicates that it is unlikely 
that COVID-19 would be transmitted through breastfeeding or by giving breast milk that has been expressed by a mother who is confirmed or suspected to have COVID-19. The numerous benefits of breastfeeding substantially outweigh the potential risks of illness associated with the virus. And they're also saying, too, babies who are exclusively breastfed are 14 times less likely to die than babies who are not breastfed. Um, and an appropriate marketing of breast milk substitutes continues to undermine efforts to improve breastfeeding rates, and the COVID-19 crisis is intensifying that threat. Healthcare services aimed at supporting mothers to breastfeed, including counseling and skilled lactation support, are strained as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. Infection prevention measures, such as physical distancing, make it difficult for community counseling, mother-to-mother support services to continue, leaving an opening for the breast milk substitute industry to capitalize on the crisis and diminish confidence in breastfeeding. Workers are all, health workers are being diverted to response and health systems are overstretched. At such a time when breastfeeding can protect the lives of millions of children, but new mothers cannot do it without the support of health providers. And this is being said by UNICEF's chief of nutrition. We must more than ever step up efforts to ensure that every mother and family receive the guidance and support they need from trained healthcare worker to breastfeed their children right from birth everywhere. So they are saying, the WHO and UNICEF are saying that breastfeeding is perfectly safe It has not, to date, been detected in the breast milk of any mother with confirmed or suspected COVID-19. It appears unlikely that it would be transmitted through breastfeeding or by giving breast milk. So it is perfectly safe to continue to breastfeed. If it's suspected, if you've been, uh, what you call, tested, whatever, exposed, tested, and you're worried, what if it comes back positive? Should I breastfeed between now and then? Yes, absolutely. Continue to breastfeed. It is perfectly safe. They have not found any reason otherwise that you should not be doing that. Breastfeeding is and will be the best thing for your baby and for you during this. It's just bottom line. There's no evidence to show that it's not okay. And separating yourself from your baby for, you know, days is not the best thing for your baby. It really is not. No. And it's not, it's not, I mean, like there, it's not just like, oh, I don't want to be separated from my baby. Like it, it there's, your baby is, is supposed to be with you. Like there are consequences for your baby being separated. You know, there's mm-hmm. attachment uh, and all kinds of consequences that, that, um, that it's not worth, this is not, it's, this is not the best decision. And it's not just, a, ah, well, separate or not separate. No, there is actual, long you know long-term effects studied Mm long-term effects long studied evidence that babies need to be with their mothers right right and i don't understand how how are you going to separate? because now they're saying like there's some places who are separating in the hospital and that is just it's ridiculous i know that's insane and that's just insane. I have a friend in, you know, in, in Texas who said that they're separating in the NICUs. They're not letting anybody, oh. you know, in the NICUs to see the, you know, to see these babies. So how are you going to tell me? And this would be my first argument. If it was me, if I was the mom, I'd be like, how is it safer for this doctor and this nurse to be touching my baby? But I can't. How is that okay? Yeah. That they're touching right. every other baby around and then going home and being exposed to we don't know what at home. And then touching your baby. But you can't touch your baby. 
Right. How about let the baby and the mother recover in the room and you stay the F out? Right. How about that? How about you social distance? Yeah. Yeah. That's better. Not the baby. Right. Baby social distance. Come on. Give me a break. Now, if you are not sure about the difference between the, the WHO and the CDC, and if you're somebody who's kind of following along with like what's going on in the media and... You know, the president's always fighting with one or the other of them or whatever. You know, I mean, I think recently the, you know, our president here in the United States said we were leaving the who, <sighs> getting out of the who, we fight with the CDC. There's all this stuff. And it's like, all right, so what's, what's the difference? So I did, I did a quick Google and I did find a pretty cool article like, like explains the two of them. And this is going back a couple of years, actually. It was funny because, or uh, ironic that it's, this came out because of Zika. Remember when Zika was a big yeah. thing a few years ago and whether or not women should be having babies or trying mm-hmm. to be having babies if they live in a place where Zika. So this is like still based on, it's always comes back to moms and babies. I feel like that yeah. is always a thing. So this is um, based on moms and babies with that, but explaining about the difference between the CDC. So what they are, the world health organization cannot overrule the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention because they are separate agencies, okay? The WHO is separate from the CDC. The CDC is a branch of the United States government who answers to the president, Congress, and the courts, while the WHO is a United Nations agency and answers to an annual assembly of the world's health ministers. So you've got the WHO, which is filled with health people, from various countries. From various countries. So you're getting the outlook. Isolated. Yeah, you're getting the outlook of what's happening around the world from health people. Health people. And you've got the CDC who is answering to a government. Not health people. The government. So that is very different. That is very, very different. Yep. They both make recommendations based on expert advice. In general, the CDC relies on advice from its internal experts, while the WHO convenes panels of independent experts from around the world. Okay. Um, so they, and they all do like, you know, you might see things come out. Like one of the things, one of the examples that's in this article is the WHO, the WHO can't rule that Olympics may proceed. That is up to the Olympics. You know, so like you might see specific things that are being canceled or that are being, you know, passed along or whatever. And people are going, oh, you know, is this because the WHO says we can't do it or is this because the CDC says we can't do it? You know, just certain things are being dictated by their own entities, too. Um, but yeah, we I mean, do the World rely Health Organization offers for health information. Right. And that's recommendations. Like, they don't like exactly rule. Right. So, and they're same thing with travel advisories, their advisories, their recommendations, their, you know, things, whatever. And what it comes down to, too, like with the CDC, it's also like that thing that Abby was reading that came from the hospital. I mean, it's a recommendation. They, they, they recommend that you stay away from your baby. But honestly, like if you're a new mom and you're worried about this, if you read that, you're probably going to do it. Yeah. Because you're thinking that it's coming from a legitimate place of concern and i mean it is coming from a legitimate place of concern but it's not realistic and it's not what everybody else in the world is well, saying it's not evidence-based either right it's not evidence-based at all 
Like they're saying, oh, we're we're worried that this virus is going to spread, which everybody's worried that the virus is going to spread. So keep your baby away from you. That there's is, no yeah, no, but there's, there's no evidence that a breastfeeding mother is is passing this through her breast milk and that, you know, that they're that the that the baby is in danger. Right. If there was evidence, I mean, the, the, the obviously this virus is new, but if there was evidence about that going on, we would be saying something very different. Right. But the evidence isn't there. This is what the World Health Organization is saying. You know, and the World Health Organization. we're continuing to watch this. We're continuing to test. But the evidence isn't there. And I think one of the other big differences, too, that we see is that, you know, the United States, their, their backup is always that, well, we have formula. So that's a well, viable. Well, isn't. Isn't that just the bottom line? That's always the bottom line. Whereas the WHO looks at everything around the world and they're like, formula is not a viable option for many, 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 many countries because it's not safe, because they don't have good health care, because they don't have clean water. But they're saying in the United States, it's a viable exception. We can use that. We don't need the breastfeeding because we have a safe alternative. And they make billions and trillions of dollars off of formula. Right. Because we all know that breastfeeding and breast milk is the best way to protect your infant uh, against any of these sicknesses. Mm-hmm. When formula comes into play, it's all about money. That's all it is. And the United States is all about money, this capitalist nation. That's all we're doing. That's why restaurants are opening up in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> After the experts are like, nah. It's like, well, you know, the economy, man, the business. I'm not saying I'm not heartless to that. I understand that this is how we operate. Like, I get it. But it's all about money. Mm -hmm. And formula is a product, a product they want to sell and make money off of. And I mean, nobody's thinking about what that is doing to the mother. And the baby. Right. What is this? What is this doing to the mom and the baby? And the future of the mom and the baby. We have said it countless times, breastfeeding is not just a way to feed your child. There's way more to it than that. And to say, oh, I'm in the middle, I had a baby in the middle of a pandemic, I can't breastfeed because of that. I mean, there's no better time to breastfeed. Yeah, right. Than in the middle of a pandemic. This is, yeah. <laughs> this is when you really want to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, no, you can't. It's, it's just unbelievable. So... I'm hoping the takeaway for this is that please, if you need breastfeeding help, please try to reach out. Please, you know, find your help. If it's not in your area, you know, please try to find something because, you know, reach out to me or find, you know, if you have friends that have breastfed that you can talk with them or something because we just don't want you to feel alone during this time where you can't actively see people for help. You know, we just have to, it's not ideal. And I tell people this all the time, like, it's not ideal, but it's, this whole situation isn't ideal. So we have to do what we need to do to get by. And this is it. You know, I don't want moms having babies and being left going, I don't know what to do right now. And there's nobody to help me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so there'll be a link if you want to seek out Diane for an online consultation. We'll, We'll have, that's on our website all the time. Yeah. And, and sometimes people just, you know, have questions and, and that's okay. Um, as you heard in our review, like if, especially if you're a new listener, there's probably an episode for almost anything that you've, you know, been coming across anyway. So definitely like find, 
Find your good research evidence-based information. That's what it comes down to. This is for your baby. This is not like, okay, this is something we can just throw away and do it next time. No, this is for your baby. This is important. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.